Welcome to the Discollective Podcast. We're glad you could join us. I'm Greg Lambrecht, founder of Intrinsic Therapeutics and one of the inventors of the Barricade Annular Closure Device. In this interview series, Beating the Odds of Reherniation, you'll hear from Dr. Pierce Nunley, Director of the Spine Institute of Louisiana, and Professor Claudius Tomei, the Director of Neurosurgery at the University of Innsbruck, Austria. You're listening to Chapter 3, Level 1 RCT and Cost Effectiveness. So without further ado, let's hear from these two great spine surgeons. Well, good morning, everybody, and really pleasure to, to be here and be with my colleague, Claudius Tomei. You know, when we, when we talk a little bit more going on to kind of topic three and look at preventing a disability, I think one of the papers that highlights that well is, is, is your own paper uh, that you were a senior author on in 2018 that uh, also my friend Wellington Sue was on. And, and this was that randomized controlled study with 550 patients. And when we talk about preventing disability, it was really a good summary of those patients. And uh, I'd like you to maybe talk a bit about this uh, randomized uh, study that you were the PI for. The company also approached us for to decide on, on, on how to go forward. And that's how we designed this, this large study with ending up with more than 500 patients, almost 300 in each group. And it was a one-to-one -one randomization. And what's very important on it is that the surgeon did the discectomy like he would normally do. Preferably, there were surgeons interested in limited discectomy, so no scraping of the end plates, of course. And then if they were done, the patient was randomized to either receiving a barricade or closure. And we did this to avoid any bias that if, if you would know beforehand, you may choose your patient differently, you may do the operation differently, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I so think that's such be, an important point that people ought to yeah. understand that this was an interoperative randomization. You know, um, bias comes into all of these industry studies. And I think you did a great job advising the uh, company in mitigating that bias as much as possible. So I think that point needs to be solemnly made. Absolutely. No, that, that, that's very important. And, and what, we, what we found, obviously, was um, that the reanimation rates were about half for the barricade device. To be honest, there's still some questions why our real-world studies that were performed outside the barricade trial showed significantly better results. I mean, the, the barricade trial already lowered reanimation rates by at least 50%. But some of the other um, real-world studies even were down to to minimum reherniation rate. So there's some there's something we may discuss. So, so why because that we can, could be. Because, because we can, let's kind of segue uh, into why that is. Okay, we're getting away from evidence base, but now you're the expert. You know, I have an opinion about what I think that is. Well, why do you think that is? Well, I think that two two main main reasons. One reason is that the surgeons involved in the um, barricade trial, some of them were rather new to the technology. And the, obviously there was a requirement of at least so many cases you had to do before the, before, um, the study, but still it's a difference whether you do five or 10 cases or whether you have done 50 cases of the new technology. And the other reason being, I think, is that also applies unfortunately to my center is that for the study to be um, 
absolute precise. We always use the small implant, the smallest implant. Uh, we looked at our studies afterwards, um, not really knowing why, but we always use the small one. Hmm. And in the if the more experienced you are, you use the wider one. And the reanimations occurred next to the barricade if they did. Uh -huh. So any any wider closure or any any more thorough closure of your annular defect, it also in theory must have at least some positive effect, and that's what we saw. That um, like Adisa uh, Kuzumovic, she's probably one of the experts um, in 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 performing barricade procedures, and their study on two hundred some patients, um, they had a reanimation rate of like two or three percent in this very very high risk group. Um, at long-term follow-up, and and she was using mainly the wider um, devices, and I think it depends somewhat on surgical techniques and choice of of implant, and maybe to a smaller degree also on patient selection that may have not been perfect in some instances. You know, and I think you're making a great point about why we do research and why we do it well. So. You guys looked at those results. And of course, by the time we started our USA study, um, I've not implanted an eight millimeter. And it was because we learned, put the largest one that fits. And you're right, it takes a little more technique. It's a little bit harder. Uh, you might have to increase your laminotomy or your facetectomy a little bit, but you learn how to do that. And so we learned from your study and our US study. So it'll be interesting to compare the differences when we get through uh, the study we're currently conducting. But I wanna bring up this thing too about, about your paper. You know, reoperation is not benign. And there's, uh, in this paper, you essentially showed that there's three times the disability of patients that require reoperation. Their ODI scores are 4.3 higher, their vast leg is 3.6 higher, vast back 2.5 higher, not working. Now this is, we're gonna get into the economics a little bit and I, I'd like to segue into that, but when you, when you think about it, um, uh, not working 1.7 times worse for reoperations and you take them out of the workforce, you take them out of being productive members of society and then flip that and potentially put them on disability, um, that has a huge consequent, not just to our patients, but also to society as a whole. Um, and I think that uh, a further segue is when you looked at um, uh, Laro's paper uh, in 2020, talked about reoperation rates adding $44,000 of direct health care costs over four years following discectomy. I think that's okay. important. I don't know, are you seeing that kind of increased cost in Germany. It's a little bit different system, but there are some similarities. Um, there are some similarities. To be honest, um, we are still, I don't want to say poor on costs, but for, for our socialized system or mainly socialized system, um, still that doesn't really matter that much, to be honest, because everything is government paid anyway. So, so we are not that worried about how about future costs. For me personally, it's more, and that's also what the studies clearly showed. And, and uh, I, I thank you for mentioning also the, the, the factors, um, um, how much more problems those patients have if they have a reoperation, no matter whether that's a fusion or a, or a re-discectomy. 
and um, it's 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 devastating for those patients because if you have a primary disc surgery, we all like we discussed before, you have a maybe eighty, maybe eighty-five percent chance of success, and everything goes very well. In a second operation, your 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 chance of do, of having a good result is lower than sixty percent. So so almost half of your patients that you have to do two um, operations on will will have rather poor outcome. They will have more disability, more pain, and will be out of work with, by a factor of three or four um, in comparison to, to, to the others. And this is ruining those patients' lives. And we all have these patient careers, um, one surgery, next surgery, and they keep on going on. And I don't even want to talk about the psychological issues that right. are involved. So for us- pain. Right. In chronic pain, absolutely. So for us, to be honest, it's it's, uh, and we are happy about that. It's not that much about costs. Our system takes care of those forty thousand U.S. dollars cost for the second operation, and it's more worrisome that the patients obviously suffer. They their financial background, their psychological future will be completely different, and that's why I also think we should avoid those fusions with very aggressive discectomies and we should avoid reoperations wherever we can. Yeah, I think your points are so well made and, and you know, the clinicians in the United States, I think we primarily care about that, but unfortunately we have to deal with a different system where we have to get paid. We got to get reimbursed, not so much for us to do the surgery. The hospitals have to be reimbursed mm. because the implants are expensive and then it's just a different system. And so, I think, you know, obviously that's one of the reasons we're doing the U.S. study is to try to show the benefit uh, so that insurance companies will sign on and give us a, a special code. We have codes we use here. Um, and I think that based on the data, that's going to be a, a slam dunk. But um, it's, it's unfortunate we have to deal with that and can't just focus on the patient. You're absolutely right with all the social psychological uh, factors that, you know, divorces, they lose their car, they lose their house, they you know, I mean, it's just, it's a mess. For now, we'll uh, say thank you to everybody for uh, paying attention and take care and have a great day and everybody be safe. Stay tuned to hear from the experts on bone anchored annular closure next time in chapter four. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe wherever you're listening. To watch the entire interview, head over to youtube.com forward slash barricade. Thanks, Dr. Nunley and Professor Tomei. And thank you for listening and for helping us build a world where lumbar disc herniation doesn't define lives. To download a copy of the publication synopsis, visit barricade.com and click the Publish Clinical Evidence section or contact your local representative for a print brochure. Keep in mind that the products discussed in this podcast have labeling limitations. Barricade is indicated for reducing the incidence of reherniation and reoperation in skeletally mature patients with radiculopathy, with or without back pain attributed to a posterior or posterior lateral herniation, and confirmed by history, physical examination, and imaging studies, which demonstrate neural compression using MRI to treat a large annular defect between four and six millimeters tall and between six and 10 millimeters wide, following a primary discectomy procedure at a single level between L4 and S1. All medical devices have risks. Please refer to barricade.com instructions for a full list of benefit and risk information. U.S. law restricts this device to sale by or on the order of a physician. The guests on this podcast are consultants of Intrinsic Therapeutics. Until next time on the Discollected Podcast. Mm -hmm.